Hello, my name is Kristen and I am obsessed with all things play-based and child-led learning. Truly obsessed. I am here to help you navigate the messy and the magical on your journey to a play-based program. It is truly magical on the other side and I want you to feel each day what I feel when I walk into my classroom. I am the homeschool mama to four. I'm the founder of a play and nature-based preschool and forest school and I am here to cheer you on. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get going. Hello, everybody. I am here today with Laura from Little Stories That Stick. And I think that's your name on Instagram, correct? It is. So Laura from Little Stories That Stick, I want you to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell everybody what you do. All right. So my name is Laura and I usually go by Miss Shea in the classroom. Mm -hmm. I have been a early childhood teacher for about 15 years and a lot of, um, my experience has been in Reggio and making learning visible and uh, using play to help kids learn. And through my career, I was introduced to story and telling and story acting by one of my mentors. And it's a way of um, building language and closeness between adults that was um, pioneered by Vivian Paley. Okay. And she's written like... 15 books, maybe. And she actually, um, I mean, she's like, she was just a woman that was ahead of her times. Like she was writing um, about structural racism and, um, you know, you can't, you say you can't play and all these things like in the eighties. Okay. She actually got the Miss Genius um, Grant, the MacArthur Genius Grant, which she's like one of the only educators that has gotten that. Really? I had no idea. Yes. So she is like, well, lady. Yes. Like literally. And I met her when she was like 80 something like old. And she presented at our conference and she came and she was still like mentoring teachers. Like, wow. About her, her style and everything. So I really just fell in love with um, everything that she had to offer in, in a way that could be captured in a classroom in maybe 10 minutes. And I saw the power of it. And I really started to embrace that. And um, that brought me to uh, Little Stories That Stick because I started to realize um, when I moved districts recently, many educators don't know about this. I thought yes. it was like, yeah, I thought it was something that people knew. Like a lot of people knew because everybody <laughs> in Boston, if, where I was, it was like part of our curriculum in okay. kindergarten. Okay. So I was like, well, this needs to be out there more. And um, that's what brought me there. So I started slowly rolling some stuff out and with your little nudge, started putting my own stories up as well, because I tell stories every day mm-hmm. yes. and um, I started posting them on TikTok as well. So you can find me there. Um, and yeah. Is your TikTok name the same as your Instagram name? So it is. It's little stories that stick for both the TikTok. It adds just a K in stick, not CK. I think okay. there was a uh, 
a minimum of, of <laughs> five hours maximum. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And there are, there are dots in between each word. So it's like little dot stories, dot, that, dot stick. Uh, so I actually watch your, I watch your stories <laughs> because like I get captivated during them. So I know that children are probably like enthralled with the stories that you're telling. So you have to like listeners go listen to some of her storytelling stories that she has on Instagram and TikTok. They're, they're really good. And I'll give you some really good ideas. So, um, okay. Is there a difference between storytelling and story acting? Yes, there is. So, uh, Vivian's, um, big philosophy was that there was like three things that would happen a child would tell a story to an adult and the adult would dictate it and like write it down and scribe it exactly as the child told it. Okay. And that was the storytelling piece. And then one thing she said that um, always resonated with me and I really held on to was like uh, a day cannot end without every story that's been told being acted out. So she then would provide an opportunity And sometimes it would be in that moment when the story was told or it would be later in the day or whenever it was. And then the children would actually act out the story. So that's what the story acting piece is. Okay. Yeah. So the idea would be children have the opportunity if they want to tell a story and teachers can navigate that or people at home, wherever you can navigate that in whatever way makes sense for you, that it feels manageable you may not want to take 20 stories, one from each child in right. your class, because then you would be really honoring them by acting out all 20 stories. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, I forgot that a child had told me her story. And when it was story, t- story acting time, I was like, okay, so we don't have any stories to act out. So I just told a story and I let them act it out. And then later that day, I like saw it and I was like, I felt so bad. Like the first thing I said to her the next day was like, I'm so sorry. I let you go home without us acting out your story. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So storytelling in in the way that Vivian teaches Mm -hmm. it, storytelling is the children telling the adult a story and the adult dictating it. And then Mm -hmm. story acting is the piece where the children, you read the story out loud and then the children act it out. Exactly. Okay. So... uh, we actually, so we did this in the program that I founded mm-hmm. and every child has their own journal and they have a picture and the, the journal is like an 80 page, like, I don't know, nine by six size notebook, spiral bound. Yep. And yep. they have their picture on the front of it. And then when they, they use it for many things, but one of the things that we did um, encourage is them to grab a teacher and say, I have a story that I want to tell. And then we would dictate it. We never did the story acting piece though. Um, so hmm, now I, I would be really interested just to see how that would go. We would read yeah. them out loud sometimes, but not, uh-huh. not act them out. Right. Because I mean, how often all the time kids are like, come see what I'm doing. Like innately, their play, they are telling stories, right? They're acting out some story in their mind. And so it's there, right? But you almost need to like, like tease it out. So it's always interesting to see um, 
how children initially respond when you say like, do you want to tell me a story? A lot of them will just freeze up and like have no idea what you mean. Some mm-hmm. will just be like once upon a time and they, you can tell the, the, the word tell me a story means something that they are exposed to and familiar with. <clears throat> and it's, and it's a range in between, which yeah. is why um, through the program that I, the, the program and the way that I was trained was that an additional part to it was adults modeling storytelling so that it was then creating this really rich environment where they were hearing stories from a variety of people and that were told in a variety of ways, not just um, them telling stories. So it was to give them some inspiration. Okay, so the things that I've seen on your Instagram are like you doing more of the storytelling is that okay so how what's the difference so the reason you'll find on my instagram me telling stories is because <clears throat> i'm honoring the children and i'm not putting their their stories really or their acting on social media social media exactly so <clears throat> what i will share is like i just recently did a few reels and i'm playing around with that is just the organic way that a story may come about. So okay. you may start to see sometimes like just the, the script, like the, the words of it, you might see some pieces of the kids um, on the stage acting it out. So literally when I'm saying a stage, we just um, use masking tape on oh. the rug. Mm-hmm. And we create this like culture of like, this is the stage and you know we're in the audience off the stage and this is the stage when they're acting it out. Um, so, so my, you know, so it, yeah, it's that fine line between, yeah. like, I would love to share more in ways that I could of what the, the children are actually bringing yes. to it, but it's not as, as easy in that way. So, um, so you'll sometimes see their stories and maybe pieces of how they're acting it out. Or recently, um, my afternoon group has been instead actually just telling stories about what they are doing during their play. So it was like, I'm getting the red paint and I'm mixing it with the paintbrush and now I'm putting it on the paper, literally narrating what her play was. And then we acted it out later. And like, she was her and another kid was the paper and another kid was the paintbrush. And they just like pretended to be, you know, yeah, they're, they can totally be (laughs) inanimate objects. They can be animals um they can be each other it gets really fun when they realize that they can put um other children that they know in their stories and they start to then act out as each other um can be really cool to see oh my gosh that sounds so sweet like i wish i could be a fly on the wall i mean we do get to see pieces of it it's Mm -hmm. fascinating to me anyway but to be able to see the children come up with those things and just the progression over time. Cause even when we did story, like when they would tell us stories, it was so fun to go back and look like my, my little guy, he was in preschool for three years. And so his story started out as like the dog ran the end. And then they would get much more, they would get much more in depth and full of like descriptive words. And there was like a beginning, a middle and an end. And it was really cool to see that progression over time. Do you have your students for more than one year or do you only have them for one year? 
so in my previous position, I only had um, all my students for one year. Now I'm in a, <clears throat> a pre-K where some of mine will, you know, they'll roll over and they'll be with me. Yeah. And even still, like I would literally day one, like I would tell a story, especially with my kindergartners. And I'd be like, anybody want to tell me a story? So some children were telling stories in September through June. And I would um, keep them all in a binder for each child. And just, yeah, seeing that over the year, it's like a portfolio, right? And you're yeah. seeing so many, so much evidence of their learning through yes. just their stories that they were telling from the, from, you know, A to B. Okay. So when you start off the school year, so if you run like on a typical school year, do you start off being like making more time for you to tell stories um, to the children just so they get an idea of what it's like, what it sounds like and what it looks like and the nuances of it, like the beginning, the middle, the end, or do you just let it naturally occur? Yeah, I, I mean, I will tell stories and like in my previous positions, I set a goal to tell a story like two to three times a week. Okay. <clears throat> this year, um, for this, the children that I have, I'm just telling stories daily. Mm-hmm. It's just what's working for me and for them. And I would still, from the get-go, whenever I, as the, you know, the person that's facilitating and felt ready to, I would just ask for stories. And so maybe for some of them, it's a list and they're just like dog, cat, airplane. Yep. Maybe it's, maybe it's one word, fire. And maybe it's literally retelling of uh, the PJ Masks episode they watched last night. <laughs> yes, that's happened. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I just let it be organic, whatever it is, because it, although I'm, I'm modeling stories to inspire them and to help them maybe hear some transitional words or other ways they could end a story or how there might be a climax, I'm never going to tell them how their story has to be written or changed. And I'm never going to judge it and say, this is a better story than last week. Right. So I'm just telling stories as often as I can. And same with them, whatever I'm able to to juggle based on the number of kids. Um, I feel like the sweet spot is like normally like three to four stories um, per per day. And, um, just let them if they want and they can pass and they can, they cannot. they yep. might never tell a story. They might mm-hmm. never act out a story and they might never tell a story and that's okay. Yeah. I think that's definitely a huge piece of like the play-based learning environment where they're never forced to do something because then that, that's not intrinsic. It's not self-chosen. So therefore it's not play. Um, how, okay. So like in a play-based learning environment, mm-hmm. how, would you, okay. So there's a couple of different questions here. A, we also know that reading a book, like a picture book with children is very important as well. How do you balance like story time, like with the traditional read aloud book with storytelling from the teacher with storytelling from the children? Yeah. So I really, I mean, if you think about it, storytelling from the adult can happen at any time, a transition, a meal, when you're outside, like with three kids, like, oh, did I ever tell you this one time that I came across an aunt and da, 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 you know, whatever yeah, it might yeah. be. It could also be more formal where it's a time where you're gathered on the rug and you start telling a story and other kids come join. Um, so I feel like, 
And a lot of my stories, especially right now, are like two minutes, maybe three minutes max. Okay. Like a minute, like they can be quick. Cause nice. what I'm, what I'm looking for, for them as well. Like I have a, you know, wide, wide ruled notebook yeah. that's, you know, eight by 12 and I'm skipping every other line when I'm writing their words. So in their stories, I'm expecting to be short as well. I mean, and there are the occasional stories. Like if I tell, you know, the three Billy Goats gruff or the little red hen, like some of those folk tales that, yeah just have more pieces, you could tell at different times. But really the storytelling, I feel like you can fit in as a teacher in any way. And so that shouldn't overlap or take over, you know, a book. What you could also do a lot of the times is like, there are some books that lend themselves to be acted out. So like we're going on a bear hunt is a perfect book to read. And then, or later you could act it out or even, um, you know, even brown bear, brown bear, like they just can yeah. come on and be the animals. So you can really tie in um, the story acting and help them see that like books are also a story. They're just not an oral story. Yeah. And um, then the kids telling stories, that's as well. Like I find for me, I usually take them during when kids are kind of coming in because it's that time. Some of them are eating, some of them are playing, some of them are just like in the calming corner, missing their family. Like, and I'll just walk around my notebook and be like, oh, did you want to tell a story today? You could, you know, I mean, you can find times that feel good for you of when you want to take it. And it, and it, and it, for me, it's best when it's a one-on-one personal thing, because it's Mm -hmm. undivided attention for that child you're modeling so many things as you're writing it down and you're intently listening to whatever it is they have to say. Yeah. What advice would you give to an early childhood educator that is finding themselves in a spot where they believe in play and they want that play-based learning piece in their program? However, they are maybe in a more traditional program where they have to, there's certain like expectations they have to meet and routines and schedules and teacher directed activities. How, so if, if they have a more rigorous schedule, mm-hmm. I, hate that. I, I don't want them to have a rigorous schedule, but if that's the case, and if there's a listener who's in that space, what are some tips that you could give them? Because they're going to immediately be like, I don't have time. Like I am leading this, that, and the other thing. I don't have time to listen to children tell stories. Like, how could you fit it, fit it in? (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, I, when I taught kindergarten in Boston, I mean, in reality, it was rigorous. I mean, there was definitely, there was an, at least an hour of uninterrupted play where the kids were really choosing what they were doing. And I was facilitating their project-based learning that way. And we also had, you know, a writer's workshop time. We also had a time where they were doing some literacy centers. We had a lot of other times of day, right? Yeah. So I'm, I was there and I always, my mentor always said to me, like, you just put it on your schedule, right? Like the yeah. first thing is you put specifically the story acting on your schedule. Okay. And in reality, like five minutes, maybe one time or two, it will get up to 10 minutes but it's really going to be five minutes of them acting out. Like 
the first few times that there's, you know, there's the buildup of it, there's the excitement, there's laying down the tape. But once you work out the kinks and you figured it out, you're going to just gather as you do. Mm-hmm. And you're going to read three or four stories and the kids are going to act them out. And as far as when you're taking the child's, the children's stories, again, it can be in, it could, it can be in a writer's workshop time. This is still writing. It's so many writing skills are happening in that. It can be in a literacy station center, you know, where you're like, okay, today I'm going to be there. Or I don't know. I mean, I imagine some people have the technology to be able to just be like, if you needed to like hit record and tell your story in the iPad whatever. And then maybe you scribe it later or you don't, and you just press play and they act it out. I mean, there's gotta be ways to do that. I think, I think there you're missing out on pieces and you can find what works for you. Right. I think with many things as teachers, it's really easy to say, no, I don't have time for that. Or no, I can't make that work. Or I don't Mm -hmm. know how to do that or whatever the barrier may be. It's really easy to find a barrier. Yeah. Right. So it's, you just have to just get over that. And actually, um, if you go to my Instagram in my bio, I have a link tree. And one of the um, freebies that I have is like a planning template that helps you break down some of those barriers. Like what are the barriers that you like when I say, you know, take 10 minutes a day to take stories and act them out. Like what are all the no's that you immediately are thinking, you know, and what can you do to get around it? And then I also have just like a little like cheat sheet, a one page that says like a kind of how to, like if you wanted to implement this tomorrow, how could you do it? Oh. Where would you start? Yeah. Oh, amazing. That's an excellent yeah. resource. And, and the other thing that um, in a, in a, in a classroom like that, where you have, I imagine, um, many children and a lot of roles and things, I always found um, having a, a list. And so whether it was, I had a list on the wall or in my notebook and I just rotated through and I went three kids a day, three kids a day, three kids a day. Or sometimes I was like organized enough one year, like the same four kids told stories on Mondays or that was their day. And the same kids told it on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. And so they knew like, oh, it's Friday. It's my storytelling day. Mm-hmm. And like find a system that works for you. And so that the children know when their time is going to come. And even if you can only take one story a day, fine. They get to still tell a story yeah. once a month. If, if you have 20 kids. Yeah. So you just have to, you just have to say yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and be a little creative. Yeah, exactly. And okay. I can, I can, you know, you know, shoot me a, a DM, you know, reach out to me. I can give you lots of tricks because I've made it work in a variety of um, settings. Settings. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So like, I know because I've maybe one of them that it's a lot easier to read a book mm-hmm. than it is to like come up with a story from scratch. So <laughs> do you have any like tips or tricks to, to help people in that situation where they're just like, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to start. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, my biggest tip is like, just do it and do it regularly. Cause it really is like a muscle. It's a creative muscle that you just have to work and just start, just start. And the places to start can totally be, um, telling stories that, you know, like, like I said, you know, folk tales or excuse me, or fables telling stories from your life, personal narratives. Yes. 
and you can start to fudge on them, right? Like yeah. kids aren't going to know if it's like truthful. Plus you may choose like this story doesn't sound as exciting. Let me make it more exciting. Yeah. Or you can tell a super mundane story and let them know like, Hey, you could just tell me a story about like, I went home after work yesterday. I sat down, I had dinner with my family. I was so tired and I went to bed. Like you can tell a story like that. It can, you know, I think it's easy in our mind to think it has to be this thing. And it doesn't like, It's just a moment in time where you're just like engaging and in storytelling, right? You're like changing your voice, just like with books, you're changing your voice. You're like drawing their attention in. You're like, and you can even be like, and what do you think is going to happen? That's right. They did. You know, like you can just interject things like that. So that's like my biggest advice is just start doing it. Yeah. The second thing is, um, I often will tell stories that, um, I've read like as an adult. So like, okay. I, I think I, I told you this once before, like one of my defaults for my son, cause I tell him stories every night as well is to like tell the story of um, Dobby the elf in like different ways that he needs like a sock. Oh but, my like, gosh. So I just take pieces of Harry <laughs> Potter and I just will like tell it. Right? It's like Laura fan fiction. Exactly. Right. Like you like star Wars, you know, you like whatever <laughs> Anne of green Gables, like whatever TV show you're watching, like you can retell that to your children. Like you can do that. So there's that. Um, And I also have a a freebie. If you want like a, just something to like, like you said, just like you don't even know where to start. And it's just like something you print out and put on a key ring and flip through. And they're just like, some of them are narratives and it's like, I, it was so scary the time that, or like it would, you know, I was really embarrassed one day when, so it's just Ooh. giving you like a set, a story starter. Yeah. And then some of them are like characters. Like I think one of them was, it was like um, a bubble that, you know, wants to make friends with something, but is scared of heights. Like, I don't know. I just gave you some like really random thing. Yeah. <laughs> just like throw together because I think that innately early childhood educators, we're always, we we are comedians. We are, you know, we're always on the spot. Like we do have that ability to orally captivate people. We sing, even if we sing horribly, right? Like we do all the things to engage the children. So just assume you're going to be just as good as a storyteller once you start doing it. Oh, I love that advice. You, they will be, you will be. Yeah. Aw. No, I want to like tell my kid a story before bed tonight. Totally. I mean, and if you're like totally frozen, like I try to post in my stories every day, either the story I told my son or one of my, my classes. So listen to my story and then tell it the next yes. day. Like, <laughs> Totally. You know, I have some of my, one of my um, best memories from uh, teaching in my program, when I was a teacher in the program was when one day I was like, we were all outside and we were on, we have a big stage outside in our outdoor classroom and we were all sitting there and something had happened. I don't know what, but we were, I was stalling and there was a huge water tower across the road. And I all of a sudden just started making up this story about these mermaids that live in the water tower across the road. (laughs) And it like, morphed into this huge thing and it became part of like the culture of our classroom and the story was handed down over the years so 
even though that was like seven years ago, some of the kids like having siblings in the program know about the mermaids in the water tower. (laughs) So it, that's what the power of storytelling is. It's so powerful Mm -hmm. and it brings community, like brings groups together and it's beautiful. Yes. That's, that's absolutely what it is, right? Like it is this community building experience between the children that are all there and they're experiencing it together. And so, um, even right now, like I only started, I think I want to say in like December or January, like really telling a lot more stories to my students. And there's a couple that they ask for certain ones. Like, they're yeah. like, can you tell me the shark story? Which was like a one minute story I just told. Or like, I told a story about the kids one day coming into the classroom and all the lights were off and, and me and my TA were home sleeping. And like this one student asks for it, like <laughs> almost every day. He's like, tell the story when I came in and the lights were off. Oh, how fun is that? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, I think I got most of my questions answered. Is there anything else that you think is important that you want to add? Um, I mean, I think that if this hasn't sold you enough on why you should maybe try it out um, and you're you're a little bit more um, hesitant and the benefits that you've heard don't sound well enough. Um, I want you to think about this, the power of vocabulary development that could be happening, the just the oral language and the sentence structure yeah. that they're, they're using in your modeling. When you're writing their stories, how many concepts of print they're starting to notice, whether it's just like, you wrote my name at the top or like, Ooh, yeah. what does that say? Or they start noticing letters, whatever it might be. Bottom, left, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So many things of that. And you're building, you know, naturally you're building their creativity or you're, you're um, appreciating it. You're, you're bringing it to, to a space. And there's so many social emotional things that are happening as well when it's the story acting. So there's so much like self-regulation. Yeah. <laughs> you have to use um, like one of the things. So I think also if you need to start um, the boy who would be a helicopter by Vivian Paley is like, okay, that was the other thing I was going to ask the book you, would be your number one yeah. resource. Yes. So it would definitely be a lot of Paley's books, but I would start with the boy who would be a helicopter. Okay. Um, okay. And there's also a book written by like one of um, Vivian Paley's like, um, I would call her basically a protege. And she's a woman that I worked with that's actually in the UK. And she has this whole like thing out in the UK. But this one's called Princesses, Dragons and Helicopter Stories. And it's written by Trisha Lee. And so um, that's like a really like how to and how to implement it. What was the name of that one? Princesses? Dragons and Helicopter Stories. Okay. Um, and so she uses the term helicopter stories because I believe I may be misspeaking, but I, I think what I remember is um, when you're story acting, nobody gets to pick their role. So let's say it's a story about, you know, a bunch of animals. The, the author of the story can choose to be the jaguar, but nobody else gets to choose. So oh. otherwise, you're literally just pointing around the circle. So as a character comes up, do you want to be the lion? you can choose yes or no, right? Do you want to be the monkey? You can choose yes or no. And then they're coming right on. 
Um, and so they're go you're kind of going around the circle in that way to invite children to come onto the stage, which is where I think she got the concept of helicopter stories. Okay. But so in that moment, children are having to wait. <laughs> they're yeah. having to, you know, they're having to, you know, know that they're they're um, in the audience versus on the stage. They're having to actively listen. If they're the lion, they need to know what the lion's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they have to like negotiate, you know, there might not be a lot of space on the stage or if they're the lion and the jaguar is supposed to chase them, they might turn around and be like, you're supposed to chase me. So, so many things can be unfolding that you know, just like, there's so many. Reasons. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in my brain, I'm thinking like you, you just meet like every single domain of early learning, you yeah. meet cognitive and language and literacy and physical development and social and emotional, like all yes. of them. Exactly. And the, and the really powerful thing that I've seen a lot, I lo- work a lot with a lot of um, multi-language learners is it's, so much total physical response happening. And it's like, oh, you know, the bear is climbing. And even if just one character is climbing and it's the bear, you might say like, we can all climb too. And now you're modeling it. And a child that maybe hasn't heard that word before is seeing all these people climb and they're climbing too. Yeah. Snuck away, you know, just like vocabulary that may just come out. They're actually seeing it acted out, or they and they're acting it out themselves. So it's that total physical response, and they're really then taking in new vocabulary in a different way. That's a lot more powerful. You know, another thing that I think is really, really neat and important to note that I'm just kind of realizing right now is that through storytelling and story acting, when it's the children's stories, they are able to bring in their own experiences and their own families and their own culture and their own traditions into the classroom organically. And that is so important when it comes to the BIPOC community and the LGBTQ community. And um, I think that's powerful. Absolutely. To know that they're all represented in their own way. Right. And as the, you know, their, their educator, you can be mindful. Maybe, you know, um, something really significant was happening in this child's, you know, family over the weekend, and you could be sure to take their story on Monday and you're not nudging and you're not saying, tell me a story about your weekend, but you're providing that opportunity right after. And you will find, I mean, there are children that will always tell a story about their family, right? And the kids and the baby and the this and the mom does this. There are always kids that will tell a story about getting ready and coming to school. Like, yeah, it's all the steps of their routine. There's always one that will say their mom is having a baby. And then you're like, is is your mom having a baby? (laughs) (laughs) There's always one that will just will tell the shows or the Batmans or, you know, the, those characters. And there's always ones that will want to tell about princesses and unicorns. And then there are some that just like, will blow your mind. I mean, there was one and I, I remember this boy and I have his story saved and like, he's going to go somewhere. It was about a pair of pants walking around with no body in it. Oh, and it, and he told it like over multiple weeks. (gasps) Wow. Like the main character was like a pair of pants. (laughs) It was Um, just like genius. That reminds me of a story. So there's a story, the little old lady who wasn't afraid of anything. And that uh-huh. there's like a pair of pants in that story that walks around. You I mean, wonder maybe if they were reading it at home the night before. Maybe. 
Oh my gosh. That's the sweetest. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Okay. So tell us, tell everybody where they can find you again. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and I think even Twitter, even though I'm not on there actively. <laughs> I got all the things um, at little.stories.that.stick. Okay. And then is your link tree just on Instagram or is it everywhere else too? It is. But I, maybe we'll explore um, sharing that in other places. So yeah, so you can go to my link tree and find those couple um, things to help you yeah. tell the stories on your own. Yeah. We'll start implementing it in your classroom, as well as you could just sign up to join, you know, my my newsletter where I may give you access to um, longer stories that are on my YouTube channel. Um, some of the stories that like I fell in love with from my mentors telling me them. And um, just other, you know, tips and tricks and things that are coming along the way. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And I learned a lot. And now I wish that I had a classroom that I could go back to, <laughs> but I'm going to use it with my own child tonight. Yeah, I, was gonna say, I mean, you can absolutely, I always encourage families to sometimes there were sometimes I would send the stories home and now you could just take a photo of it and text yeah. it. Yeah. Your child told this story today, like act it out. And if there are three people in the family, like you can totally act it out. That is really neat. Yeah. And you just get together and you're like, oh, and you read it and then that's it. I mean, you could do it anywhere, outside, inside, in a bedroom, you know. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Ms. Shay. Is that thank you it, for having that, me? Right? <laughs> yeah, you did. Shay. <laughs> All right. We'll see you later, Laura. All right. <laughs> Hey, I need you to do me a huge, 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 huge favor. If you liked listening and you want to be able to hear more, can you please go on to iTunes and leave me a five-star review? I would so appreciate it. And then connect with me on Instagram. It's learning.wild. We'll see you around.